Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, we're going to be previewing this week's Live Golf event, Live Tulsa, being played at Cedar Ridge Country Club in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, a suburb of Tulsa. Um, We've got ourselves another Live event here. It is the week before a major, so it's not shocking to see these guys suiting up. It's also not an elevated event on the PGA Tour calendar this week, so it's a great opportunity for Live to go head-to-head against the PGA Tour and see if they can, you know, steal Live by the ratings away from an event that doesn't have that much shine. So if you are here on the podcast, please hit that subscribe button. You'll be notified when new episodes drop, like the episode that dropped last night, which was our preview of the PGA Tour event this week, the AT&T Byron Nelson. Whether you're playing DFS, betting, or one and done, we got you covered there on that preview in 30 minutes or less. Also, we've got some season-long fantasy football content on the podcast feed. We did our early 2023 rookie rankings, um, so just scroll down the feed to check that one out if you are interested, and then hit that subscribe button so that you'll be notified when new episodes drop. All kinds of fantasy golf and fantasy football coming your way this summer. Most importantly, next week we're going to be doing a lot of content for the PGA Championship, of which a lot of these live guys will be playing in. Uh, We're going to have at least two episodes here on the feed for the PGA Championship, so make sure you're subscribed. You'll be notified when those drop, and you can listen to those when they are ready because it is the golf's second major next week, so it's a big-time opportunity for us to win some money. Now, I think now would be as good a time as ever to kind of talk about like the state of live golf as we head into this Tulsa event and as we head into uh, a situation where a lot of these guys are going to be in the national spotlight next week for the PGA championship. So with live, I still think they continue to miss opportunities with their TV broadcasts live Singapore, which was two weeks ago, which was at an absolutely fantastic, just beautiful course. They missed a huge opportunity by the way they did the TV broadcast. Obviously Singapore is not in the same time zone as the United States, but they could have televised it live at night, you know, even if it goes into the late night, like say 1 to 2 a.m., they still could have had it live on the CW, but their TV contract with the CW only allowed them to show it on tape delay in the afternoons, which in my opinion is a big missed opportunity. First off, I don't know what the CW had going on on Friday, Saturday night that they couldn't show golf. Like, did they really need to show another rerun of Riverdale or Supernatural? I don't know. But I just think that live sports is king, and if you're live, you have to find a way to present the best live sports product possible And if you want to make yourself some money and if you want to help make the CW some money and get onto a bigger contract. You have to televise events while they're live. Just look at how many events ESPN has, whether it's on ESPN, ESPN2, ESPNU, ESPN+. Live sports is king in the television industry, and they need to be getting out this content while it's live. Now, the other big uh, news in live golf this week is Taylor Gooch being out of the U.S. Open as it currently stands. Um, There was a rule change to one of the exemptions that he no longer qualifies, and so he is not in the U.S. Open field at the moment. But um, I don't know. It's hard for me to have a whole lot of sympathy because last time I checked, this is an open tournament. Like, it's called the U.S. Open. He can still go out and win a qualifier like anybody else, like Joel Damon did last year, who is, you know, a, a reputable PGA Tour golfer, and, and qualify his way into this tournament and get his spot. I, I don't see, you know, why that's such a far-fetched that he can't go and do that. When he's actively winning live tour events, he should easily be able to go win a qualifier. Now, what I find a little bit disingenuous is I don't know if the people at the top of live golf actually care about Taylor Gooch getting in the U.S. Open individual or if they're just pandering for it to make it seem like they are, um, you know, in their player's corner or to make, you know, Liv be in the national spotlight again. I don't know. It just feels a little disingenuous from the people at the top in Liv Golf like Greg Norman right now that they're trying to get Taylor Gooch in the U.S. Open. I I don't know. It doesn't feel like it, it really helps them 
and helps their business model if he's in the U.S. Open. So it just kind of gives off weird vibes to me, which, by the way, I kind of think Liv's business model, it's time to kind of, you know, put it under fire and and have a little bit of questions about it because I really think that they tried to so hastily launch this thing that they missed a lot of opportunities. They really should have been more careful with how they set their events up to make sure that their guys get official world golf rankings points because if Liv never gets official world golf rankings points, these guys aren't going to be playing in the majors in five years and they're not going to be relevant golfers and the Live Tour is not going to have any shine if these guys aren't going to have any relevance outside of the Live Tour events. Now, I think that eventually Liv may get OWGR points, but as it stands, they do not. And OWGR has a lot of criteria, which, you know, you could debate about for days on, you know, the merits of those criteria, but Liv clearly does not meet a lot of them. And I think if they were to have, before they launched their league and launched their format, sat down with the OWGR and, you know, kind of made some compromises and knocked out some rules, I think they really could have helped themselves in that regard. But I do think there is a path for them to earn OWGR points. The Champions Tour earns OWGR points, and that is another 50 whole 54 whole format so if the champions tour can get points then we can find a way for the live tour to compromise or change up their format that they can get points as well which brings me back to the whole questioning of their business model right like what they should have done in the start was instead of trying to be this counter league to the pga they should have gone to the pga and been like hey we want to be the new wgc which was the old kind of like old kind of elevated events, I guess you could call it. They were kind of like the live tour events also though, where they were like 60 golfers, no cut at, you know, just these random courses and random venues that gave out a lot of prize money. And, you know, it's no more. And Liv should just went to the PGA tour and be like, Hey, we want to be the new WGC, just call it the LIV. And, you know, we'll pay whatever amount and you know, we'll do that. And we'll be your guy for that. Right now. I don't know if they actually tried that or not. And I don't know if they did try it, if it was the fault of the PGA tour or the fault of Liv that that broke apart. But I think that should have been the model for them instead of being a rival league, be, you know, kind of a breakaway three or four tour stops where you can get the spotlight you can still have your own little thing just as a bigger part of the pga tour so at the end of the day right now as it stands heading into the 2023 pga championship i don't know if you can call live golf a success they managed to attract some of the biggest names in golf who were really vulnerable to coming over to live whether it be for you know their age Um, their injuries and their physical health and the trajectory of their career, or whether it just be generational wealth, they kind of attacked um, some guys that were vulnerable on the PGA Tour and got them over to their tour. And, you know, they've gotten a few big names for it. Like there's some guys that still have national relevance on this tour, but Liv's TV deal is currently a punchline with the CW. And, you know, they want to say that they want to grow the game. They want to be golf, but louder, but they're not really doing that with the way that Liv currently is. It's not in the national spotlight. It is not on the biggest TV platform. And the team format that they want to target so badly and they want to market so badly is taking a while to catch on. So I don't really know if you can call this whole thing a success, but the fact of the matter is, is it's here to stay. And I think that every golfer on the PGA Tour has benefited from the presence of Liv with the additional prize money at the elevated events, with the kind of changes to the format that the PGA Tour is implementing next year to give the players more money. And I think that that's kind of going to be at the end of the day what Liv has contributed to the game of golf was it has gotten the PGA Tour to really empty the pockets to keep their players, whether Liv was actually a serious threat or not. And I don't know if that was Greg Norman's original vision when he came up with this league. Now... As we head into this event at Live Tulsa, we've got 
you know, a full field live event. And all, a lot of these guys are going to be in action next week. So let's break down some guys that I think have a chance to win this golf tournament and that I think that are good DFS plays in this golf tournament. But before we do that, let's talk about the course itself, Cedar Ridge Country Club. So before we get into that, let's get a quick word from our friends here at Spotify. <laughs> All right, so let's go ahead and break down the course. So Cedar Ridge um, is a par 70, 7,200-yard course. It is normally a par 71 for members, about 7,300 yards, but they changed one of the par fives to a par four, so it's going to play as a par 70 this week. And this has never been a site for professional men's golf. I believe it hosted um, a women's professional tournament in like the 1980s, but don't quote me on that. But it has never been a site for professional men's golf. However, it has hosted local tournaments and collegiate events. So golfers with Oklahoma ties may have seen it before, of which there are a few of them. In fact, Taylor Gooch, Matthew Wolf, Charles Howell III, and Eugenio Chakara did attend Oklahoma State and play golf there, so it's very possible that they may have come across this club. Uh, and then Abraham Anser also went to the University of Oklahoma, so it's very possible that he may have played Cedar Ridge Country Club. Those are really the most Oklahoma ties that you have here in this field. Now, in terms of the breakdown on the scorecard, this course only features one par three that is over 200 yards. All the others are fairly benign, if I'm being honest. And then all the par fives, all two of them, I should say, will be reachable in two for the whole field. They're not long golf holes. However, there's a whole lot of par fours from 400 to 450 yards. The fairways here are pretty narrow, and there's a lot of fairway bunkers. Uh, and the greens are very bunkered. There is a lot of ways that you can find yourself in the sand on this golf course. And I really think that with the tight fairways and the bunker greens, I don't want to say accuracy is going to be at a premium, but you're going to have to strike the ball well this week if you want to win. You're going to have to be able to hit fairways, hit greens, and you're going to have to be able to make some putts to get birdies as well. This is a fairly flat golf course. Um, it's not going to feature a whole lot of elevation change or a whole lot of undulation. So in terms of comparisons, I think the easy course comparison is Southern Hills, the site of the 2022 PGA Championship. It's the last time that professional golf was played in the state of Oklahoma. Uh, and in that tournament, you had a few live guys that had some good results. Amito Pereira was T3. Remember, he had the lead on the 72nd hole, pulled his tee shot into the water, and then it was kind of over from there. Abraham Anser was T9 in that event, and Cam Smith was T13, and Taylor Gooch was T20. Now, I think that's the easy comparison, right? Because it's Oklahoma. It's going to be similar agronomy, similar terrain that you're going to see. But the comparison that I really like is Colonial Country Club, home of the Charles Schwab Challenge. It is in the Dallas area, which is not too far from Oklahoma if you're an expert at geography. It's a par 70. It does feature some long par threes. It is relatively flat also. And there are a few holes here at Cedar Ridge that are going to feature forced layups off the tee on par fours. Guess what? Colonial has a few of those as well. There are a lot of guys that have had success at Colonial. In fact, the last time the PGA Tour played at Colonial in 2022, Mito Pereira, Kevin Na, Patrick Reed, Matt Jones, and Pat Perez were all top 15 in that event. And then in the 2021 edition of the Charles Club Challenge, Jason Kokrak won the event and Sebastian Munoz was T3. So those are the two Two course comparisons. Those are the guys that have a little bit of history. Y'all, I, I would be lying if I said that I knew exactly what to expect at this course, but I'm going to say the same thing I've said in general. Ball striking travels. Being able to hit fairways and hit greens is going to allow you to score low, which is going to be required to win this event here this week. And I think if you're looking to try to compare results, I think that the two best courses to do so are Southern Hills and Colonial Country Club.
But again, I'm not saying that's a perfect comparison. I'm not saying it's entirely predictive. But if you're looking for something to predict at a tournament that hasn't hosted professional golf in 40 years, that's the best I can do is those two sites. All right, so that does it for the course preview. Let's go ahead and uh, take a quick breather, and then let's talk about the golfers. To me, there are three names at the top this week that all have about the same win equity, and Vegas kind of thinks that as well. They've priced three golfers above all the rest in terms of the odds, and those three, in my opinion, and in Vegas, are Cam Smith, Brooks Kepka, and Taylor Gooch. If you're starting out a DraftKings lineup, I have no problem starting out with either of these three guys here at the top of the board. Let's go ahead and break them down. Cam Smith is the very highest-priced golfer on DraftKings. Um, however, I don't necessarily think that this course sets up well for his game. You know with Cam Smith that you're going to get a great putter, a great around the green player, and a great approach player. It's his off the tee game that is really the big inconsistent part of Cam Smith's game. It's why he was able to win the Open at St. Andrews because, you know, St. Andrews, you could miss a little bit off the tee and you'd still find yourself in the fairway or, you know, there wouldn't be a whole lot of hazards that were in play. And here at um, Cedar Ridge, he could find himself blocked out with tree trouble. He could find himself in a fairway bunker. I think if he gets himself in trouble off the tee, that's when it's going to go really bad for Cam Smith. However, if you're going to know probably by round one if you're going to get a good performance out of Cam Smith. If he is striking it well off the tee, if he continues to give us good Cam Smith with the irons, wedges, and putter, you can get a really good result out of him. And for that, I think he has a lot of winning upside. Now, next up is Brooks Kepka, who is coming in with probably the best form of anyone not named Taylor Gooch, including the live events and the Masters. He has finished no worse than 11th in his last four worldwide starts. Brooks has got a really well-rounded game that can succeed at any course and at any venue. Like I've said time and time again, ball striking travels, and you got to feel like Brooks is going to come in motivated. Um, Brooks plays golf to play in major championships, and next week is the PGA Championship. Like Orlando the week before the Masters. I think Brooks is coming in super motivated, wants to get his game dialed in, and wants to get his game right because I think he really wants to lift the Wanamaker Trophy next week. And so I absolutely think in terms of a narrative play, in terms of a recent form play, in terms of a just general player profile play, Brooks Kepka makes a lot of sense. I think he will be the highest owned player on DraftKings, and it would not shock me at all to see Brooks Kepka hoist the trophy. Well, is it a trophy? I guess it is. Hoist the trophy on Sunday here in Tulsa. Now, third on the board that I think has some good win equity is Taylor Gooch. And look, he's the back-to-back -back winner on the Live Tour. He is playing the best golf of anybody on the Live Tour right now. He's got all facets of his game cooking. He is from Oklahoma. He played his collegiate golf at Oklahoma State. Um, and I just think that it makes a lot of sense to play Taylor Gooch, right? Now, granted, if your argument is, well, he can't sustain this, he's got to come back to earth, yeah, I get that. Then play Brooks Kepka or Cam Smith. But in terms of the, you know, kind of the path he's been on, Taylor Gooch, absolutely can keep this up. Everything sets up well for him at this course. Um, I think that I would personally prefer Kepka a little bit, but in terms of an outright bet, I think they have the boats, both have the same win equity. And I think that on DraftKings, the difference is quite negligible. Now, the next guy on the board to me, um, and when you look at DraftKings, he actually priced higher than Dustin Johnson in DFS is Dustin Johnson. And I don't know, he's kind of a fade for me this week. The results on the Live Tour just haven't been great. He made the cut at the Masters, but didn't really do a whole lot with it. And I don't know. I just kind of don't like the vibes I'm getting from DJ right now. It doesn't feel to me like he's playing very motivated golf. It kind of feels like he's just going through the motions and, you know, just kind of doing his thing and just collecting a check. And 
that's not the kind of guy that's going to win you some money in, in DFS formats or is an outright winner. And so I would personally rather wait and see on DJ. Um, I want to see something good in the books and on the game long before I start, you know, putting some money invested in him um, because I would, I would really like to see some better results. So at the top of the board for me, it's either going to be Kepka, Smith, or Gooch, uh, probably in the order of Kepka, Gooch, and then Smith. Now on DraftKings, if you're building a lineup and you don't play one of those top three guys, I want to get at least two guys, if not three guys in the 9K range because I think there's a lot of studs in this range as well. I don't think they carry the same win equity as that top three, but I do think they all, you know, they're all playing some good golf. There's merits to all of them. And I think it's likely that a lot of these guys could find themselves in the top 10 or top five. First up is Mito Pereira who pops up on the comp courses. He almost won at Southern Hills, which is in Oklahoma. Uh, and he was fifth in his last start at Live Singapore. And he's another guy kind of like Burks Kepka that has a well-rounded game. He can excel in all areas and ball striking travels. And I kind of just think that everything's setting up well for Mito this week. Um, I kind of, out of the 9K range, he would probably be my favorite play. Now, Patrick Reed is another guy that I like a lot. Uh, his 13th place finish at Live Singapore was his worst finish in his last four starts. When you talk about Patrick Reed's skill set, he is an elite short game player. So with as much as these greens are bunkered, if everybody's hitting in bunkers and the green regulation percentage is low, and this turns into a, okay, who can get up and down contest? Patrick Reed would be your guy to win that contest. And so I kind of like him for that reason, not knowing exactly how the course is going to play. I think that that is one aspect where, you know, if you want to build with a narrative in mind, he's a guy that can get up and down from anywhere, including these bunkers on, you know, near these greens. And so I kind of think that sets up well for him if this course does end up playing pretty difficult. Peter Uline is another guy worth mentioning. He is Patrick Reed's teammate on the four aces, and he has been 11th place or better in every single live event this season, and he played his collegiate golf at Oklahoma State. Um, just don't have enough good things to say about Peter Uline. Like, he has been really, really solid on the live tour. He's a guy that shows up every week and plays to win on this tour, um, and he has the skill level to do so, and I think it's only a matter of time before he does win one. I don't necessarily know if it's this week, but I really do like where Peter Uline's game is at and have no problem putting him in DFS lineups. Charles Howell III has been pretty solid on the live tour since he's joined. He has a win, a fifth, and an eighth place finish, as well as two finishes in the 20s, which are a little disappointing. He does have Oklahoma ties, being an Oklahoma State Cowboy. But I'll be honest, in this price range, I just think there's other guys around here that are better than him. I think the win has kind of inflated his salary a little bit. And if Charles Howell were in the 8K range on DraftKings, I would be more of a fan of playing him. Uh, in, in the outright market, I'm just not interested. I don't think he has the upside to win this golf tournament. Abraham Answer really stunk up the joint with a 47th place finish at Live Singapore. Y'all, there's 48 golfers that play, and Abraham Answer was 47th. If you played him in a DFS lineup, that was like, like just an absolute nuke. Like you could not cash with Abraham Answer in your lineup with a 47th place finish. And really, when you look at the scorecard, he just made too many bogeys. Like he still had a decent amount of birdies. He just couldn't avoid making bogey. And I kind of think that with Abraham Answer and how his game normally plays, I kind of think that was an aberration. Um, you know, he is an Oklahoma Sooner, so he does have some Oklahoma ties. And he did pop up at some of the comp courses, right? And with Abraham Answer, his accuracy is always his advantage. So if this course does end up playing very narrow off the tee, if it does end up being very difficult to hit fairways and greens, this is a guy that can do that. And I absolutely think he's worth being in lineups for that reason. 
Now, heading into the 8K range on DraftKings, you do have Matt Wolf sitting there who may be popular because he went to Oklahoma State, but he's super inconsistent, super volatile, even for the Live Tour standards. And I think this course does not suit his game. Matthew Wolf and Bryson DeChambeau are kind of better off at courses where they can bomb and gouge, where there's not a whole lot of hazards off the tee. Swing as hard as you want. Who cares if it ends up in the rough because you're going to hack it out of the rough anyway. Uh, and I just don't think this course really sets up well for Matt Wolf. So he is another fade for me this week. Now, a guy I do like in the AK range is HV3, Harold Varner III, who is trending upwards. He was 16th at Live Orlando, top 30 finish at the Masters, 11th at Live Adelaide, and 6th at Live Singapore. Everything is trending in the right direction. And he has a pretty good track record at Colonial Country Club, which was one of my comp courses. So HV3, uh, another guy, like I mentioned with Kepka, like I mentioned with Mito Pereira, well-rounded game and ball striking travels. So I have no problem going to Harold Varner III in my DFS lineups this week. Now, Jason Kokrak is probably the furthest down the board that I would go for a legitimate winning bet for an outright winner this week. Um, he has won at Colonial, which is one of my comp courses, and his last three lift starts have been pretty solid. They've been 11th, 11th, and 6th, so I definitely think there's a lot of upside with Jason Kokrak. I really think he's a little bit of a misprice for where his recent finishes have been, and if he gives you another 11th place finish, he's going to outperform his price tag, and for that reason, he's one of my favorite plays in DFS this week. Cameron Tringale has four straight top 13 finishes on Liv. Like Abraham Answer, his accuracy is his advantage. He's not super long off the tee, but at this course, I don't think that's going to affect him a whole lot. Um, so I do think this would be a pretty good spot to go back to Cameron Tringale. Okay, maybe I did lie about Jason Kokrak in the winner bet. There is one more guy that I think is worth a dart throw in the outright winner market, and that is Sebastian Munoz. Sebastian Munoz, in his career on the PGA Tour and the Live Tour, has shown to be a very high upside, low floor golfer. Very volatile. He gives you these random days and these random weeks where he just pops and just catches fire and just every, no one else stands a chance when he does, right? And he just tends to do that every now and then. There's no real rhyme or reason to it. He has courses that he plays well at courses that he doesn't. Um, and I really think this could be a good spot for him. Like, when he gets it cooking, he gets all facets of his game going. And on live this season, he has a second-place finish and a seventh-place finish already. So he's shown us the ability to do that. And he's also shown us some pretty rough finishes. So I think for that reason, for a guy like Sebastian Munoz, who has a lot of upside but a very low floor, he's a great GPP play in DFS formats. And I think he's a solid outright winner bet as well because I do think he has the legitimate upside to win even as long of a number that he's at. Now, Mark Leishman is the exact opposite. He is the consistent low floor, or I'm sorry, I, I reversed that, high floor, low ceiling golfer that is in the same price range on DFS. If you're playing more of a cash game on DFS, I think Leishman might be your guy, but I, I just, I don't know. I don't think he has the upside to win this golf tournament like Sebastian Munoz does. He's probably not a guy I'm going to be rushing to put into my lineups this week. Now, I do think there is going to be some very chalky value plays in DFS this week because I just think there's not a whole lot of solid options here at the bottom of the board. And I think a lot of ownership is going to clump around the same few guys in the 6K and 7K range. The first one is going to be Phil Mickelson, who seems to just rejuvenated his career at the Masters last month. He has three straight worldwide top 11 finishes, including that runner-up at the Masters. Um, he's back to looking like Phil Mickelson again, not this like just disheveled, like disinterested guy that we saw at the start of the Live Tour and in the majors last season. And 
it kind of seems like he might be back. And I kind of have no problem going back to it because DraftKings really hasn't adjusted his price tag to compensate for his recent play. But I think I'm not the only one who's going to do that. I think he's going to be super highly owned, but I kind of don't have a problem with it if he's just going to give you another top 11 finish. Kevin Na is going to be another guy who I think a lot of people are going to play. He had a very ugly missed cut at the Masters. Actually, not even a missed cut with draw through nine holes and it made some poor guy play the second half of his round all alone. I believe it was Mike Weir. I'd have to look that up. But anyway, um, he's been great on the Live Tour. He has not finished worse than 22nd in a Live event this year. I think his price tag is down here very low because of that terrible finish at the Masters. And I kind of like him here this week. Like he's another guy like a Kepka, well-rounded game and ball striking will always travel, right? And he hasn't finished worse than 22nd in a live event. If he just gives you that 22nd place finish, you're not going to be super disappointed. You might not win a GPP with it in DraftKings, but you're definitely not going to be disappointed out of that, out of a guy who is sitting here in the 7K range. Now, Pat Perez is kind of like Sebastian Munoz Jr., where he kind of just has these weeks where he pops randomly and you can't really predict it again um and he does have some good finishes at the comp courses definitely a solid gpp play in DraftKings. i think he will definitely be lower owned than phil mickelson and kevin Nye, and he's kind of the other guy in that range that i would be willing to go with now the 6k range is pretty rough because a lot of these guys are just perennial bottom dwellers on live and really if you can just play them and get a top 20 top 15 finish you're going to be a happy camper and you can win a gpp with that um the first guy that i want to mention is eugenio Eugenio, Eugenio, I'm going to go with Eugenio, Lopez Chikara. He did play his collegiate golf at Oklahoma State, um, and he was 13th at Live Singapore, so he is coming in with some decent recent form. Matt Jones is a guy who showed up on my comp courses list with some decent finishes. Um, and then Scott Vincent came in fourth at Live Singapore, and somehow it didn't really change his price. He's still down here near the very bottom. In fact, he has had some pretty solid finishes, but yet he's still finding himself near the bottom of the 6K range. He significantly outperformed his price tag in four out of his five starts this season on live. If I am playing any guy $6,500 and below on DraftKings, it is going to be Scott Vincent. All right, so that does it for the golfer profiles and kind of the pseudo DFS and betting preview all in one, right? Um, so hopefully I was able to give you guys some names that if you're building a DraftKings lineup this week, or if you are making some outright bets this week, hopefully I gave you some names that you would be able to put into your lineups uh, and play and have some success this week. And also one last thing, I got to mention this with every live podcast. If you're betting the team event, just go with the four aces. They got more talent than everybody else. They're going to win more events than any other team, in my opinion. Now, the range goats have kind of caught fire lately, thanks to Taylor Gooch. Um, but I think you would really need another win out of Taylor Gooch, along with a really good performance from HV3, if you were to think that the range goats were going to win. I think the four aces just are more talent than everybody else. It's kind of like picking the New York Yankees to win the AL East every year. Like, it's just, they're just the better team. <laughs> All right, so that does it for the profile of the team event. Like I said, hopefully I gave you a lot of guys here this week that can help you win some money in DFS or in the outright betting market. Make sure you come back next week for all the PGA Championship content. Subscribe to the podcast so you'll be notified when the episode drops. And if you are a fantasy football season-long player, make sure you check out the content we're going to be putting up all summer long, starting with our 2023 rookie rankings, which are in the podcast feed. Just check down a few episodes. All right, so... That does it for this episode, guys. Best of luck to everybody this week, whether you're doing DFS or bets for Liv Tulsa or the AT&T Byron Nelson. Thank you guys for listening, and I will see you next time. Mm-hmm.